Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, It's going pretty good, Elon. I have to say, though, one notable thing that was missing from your usual introduction of me is usually say my best friend and yours. And I was going to... I, I don't know if I usually I say think that you, sometimes. You often do. I think it's interesting that you <laughs> left it out tonight because we had a bit of a tiff over the weekend. And also, like, if it proved anyone was the fantasy hockey robot, I think you are. Okay, well, go ahead. Like, I, I promise I didn't purposely leave that. I didn't want to pull, like, a Ben Burnett with the uh, fine, fine Thursday evening. I don't, I don't want to be, like, a bit guy. I guess I do have a bit. I yell yes every time, so I'm a total hypocrite here. But that one bit, or I guess I say also cue the outro music at the end of every episode. Okay, I have a few bits. Why am I doing that? I don't even know. It's not even, like, a thing I've purposely... You, are anyway, you avoiding right, the conversation? Like, I, it's an awkward conversation that we need it's to have. It's not an awkward conversation. It is. Okay, so gonna... here's what happened. Here's what happened. I mean, we're we're clearly talking to Elon. Like, we're talking ships. Elon values the, the championships more than the friendships, unfortunately, is what I think I've learned over the weekend. Uh, some naval talk to get the show started. Yeah, well, so I, when uh, when Comrie went down, and I made, I, I, earlier in the season, I said, I think... Uko Pekka Luokinen has a pretty good chance of being a quality fantasy own this season. Like there's a, there is definitely a scenario where Craig Anderson is the likely one to get injured. Although it was Comrie UPL gets called up, gets in the show, plays well enough to take the job from whoever the healthy guy is who hasn't quite, quite gotten a hold on it. And so like I send Elon a friendly message uh, just saying, oh, like, you know, this could be interesting for Uko Pekka Luokunen. Um, that's a, like someone to have on your, your radar in case you're thinking about it. I don't just, think that's what you messaged me. I, I like how you're coming in with something that we didn't even need to talk about right away, like <laughs> telling the story incorrectly when you have the messages right in front of you. Okay. You can easily I, well, just tell I, the truth. So I said, <laughs> I said, um, what did I say? What was the first? You said, should I drop like oh, Grubauer drop, well, and Okay, Martin so we, we both have the Seattle, like a Seattle <laughs> goaltending situation. So I put it out to you. Hey, should we drop our Seattle goalies? Now the Grubauer back for Uko Pekka Luokinen. But, you know, mm-hmm. you also don't want to end up with a tandem. And you were uncharacteristically silent for about, um, I don't know, 15 hours. And then I see that you replied at like 1230 the next day. I asked you the night before. And I went to check. We're in a league together. And I went to check. And sure enough, just before you wrote me back, you had added Uko Pekka Luokinen right before you messaged me back, yeah, I think I might do the same actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had a problem with that. Like you, you, Look. you chose not to respond to my message 
until you had added him. Like, look, I'm not, I'm playing, I'm an open book. I just want to share fantasy hockey thoughts with my friend, but you just want to take championships. Look, like, there's only one Uko Pekalukinen available in our league, and I already had my eye on him, so I didn't want to be responding to you being all like, yeah, I really like it. By the way, he ended up getting blown up by the Leafs, as we'll discuss, and, so it's not as it... Yeah. But anyways, but I, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I think he's amazing. Uh, he's for sure, like, my number one goalie that target. Like, you know, I had a whole no, plan that I was going to say, add him. You could have just said, like, yeah, maybe. Like, or yeah, okay, well, I then might. I'm not being... or, like, I've got an eye on him. I honestly, I wouldn't have extrapolated from that, that, oh man, I gotta, I gotta race Elon. I'd just be thinking like, we're having, you're going to beat me to the ad anyway. You know that. Look, well, I don't know. You could have taken him right then. Like I had a, a anyways, Brian, like, look, I'd rather say nothing than give a half-hearted answer. That's not my true feelings. I so felt, I, I felt the trade. Well, okay, so I should have just not responded at all and just said like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't. I missed this one." And well, then, no, uh, no, you should. But I'm not I, a phony person. I'm being real with you. Yeah, and it, it bit me. You messaged me being like, "Did you purposely wait to respond?" And I was like, "Yeah," and then you were like, "Well, I'm mad now." And I was you like, said, "Well, I guess I should have lied because you didn't want to get sniped." <laughs> but like, I opened myself up to the like. Of course, I know you're thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I want. I was. I thought I could bounce a thought off you. This is why well, in the cupful. We've never, like, I always said, like, we couldn't, we, we couldn't play in the same division because it would impact the show. But I love what you did after I called you out for not writing me back, for ghosting me in the conversation until you had mm-hmm. added UPL. Um, you wrote, I never hold back on the pod. So, yeah. so how often, like, I don't want to play in a league with you if, I, if, if you're going to hold back from me in our DMs. That's not fun. Well. All right, so I don't know. Don't play with our, our me. Friend, I don't know what to tell our you. Our friendship is in jeopardy. I don't think it is, but I guess that's up to you to uh, decide. I, I just know. feel like if, if there's a free agent that I'm after in our league, but I can't add him right away for a one particular reason or another, and then you're asking yeah. me about him, I'm probably n- going to wait until I get him before yeah. I start telling you my thoughts yeah. on him. I mean, that, and that, that's your style. Me, I'm in it for the friends. I'm in it for, you know, I'm, I'm in it for a good time with my buddy. And you're in, right. you're in it to win it. And I've learned a lesson. Joel in the chat has mentioned fantasy hockey is war. Trust nobody. Your fault, Brian. And yeah, but he wrote war in capital letters, which means that I, I assume he's... Yeah, yeah. wins of <laughs> replacement, which was like the be- the favorite stat of an old patron that we had where he used to get so... I remember that there was a take that like Jack Eichel's like the fifth worst uh, yeah, we don't, saber. I don't, I don't, anyways. I, we don't need to retread that. Like there was a whole... Like war was evolving. Whatever. I don't, all I don't I think do, we need all, to get I just back remember whenever I see war, that's what I think of. But anyways, yeah. all right. Let's get on track here, people. We have a lot to discuss you, today. I want you to know I'm here. I'm here tonight. I don't hold back on the pod. I don't hold back anywhere. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to give our best to the listeners of the podcast. That's the number one priority here. And we've got, like I said, a big show because we're going to give one take from every team and probably even more than one take. We're going to try to do it in a couple hours and we're already 10 minutes in for some reason. Uh, so before we get into all of that, let's, of course, mention a couple quick things. Keeping Carlson very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. I love DabberHockey.com. Like, it's such a great site. The articles are great. I think the writers are all very smart. Also, Frozen Tools is unbelievable. Just this morning, I tweeted at Frozen Tools asking for a small feature request for the last game lines to show. They already showed the date of the last game, and I wanted to know the opponent. Because sometimes I'm prepping the show, and I want to be like, oh, Cam Fowler had, uh, you know, two assists in his last game. Then I could really see quickly, like, who was against. So I could say on the show versus whoever. And uh, they, like, put it in, like, um, like 10 minutes later or something. It may, it's such a great site. Frozen Tools is, like, the best site in the world if you want to prepare for hockey podcast. 
podcast or be successful in fantasy and look up anything you want to see. So check it all out, DauberHockey.com. Second announcement, for those of you joining us live, the majority of you are patrons of Keeping Carlson. We thank you so much for being a patron and supporting the show. If you're interested in doing so, if you're a listener and you want to get some of the cool perks that we give and also to show us your support, you can go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron to sign up. We're adding a new perk to being a patron, which is this live stream that we do for the people who like to watch us live on Sunday nights. That's going to become a perk just for patrons, okay? A little a little thing to say thank you to the patrons. To be like, this is going to be just for you. It's just going to be us friends here. We've already been asking the patrons friends. for some, like, suggestions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brian Quote, unquote. But you and I are, you and me and the would you, are friends. Would you rather chat with me about fantasy hockey? Brian, or would I'm you rather win this, a th- Or would you rather win that league? <laughs> I'm in the middle of you, something. Could we just discuss I just, this I just, later? I need an answer. I'd rather be friends with you than win that league. But <laughs> I'd rather win the league than answer your random advice questions on a friday night it wasn't ra- it was a chat it on a saturday I'm chatting <laughs> okay well as i was saying uh we've already in the patron discord you didn't server, answer the question i did answer the question you just didn't like my answer so <laughs> the patrons uh have been giving us suggestions of which players they want us to talk about and we've you know that's been a lot of fun and we've been trying to you know get the show the patrons involved with the show so we thought also live live stream for the patrons, okay? We're all hanging out, uh, but obviously the show will be available for everyone to listen to for free forever. So hope you're all enjoying it. And with that, Brian, unless you have any more, you know, other just, things just to discuss. Just brings me back to our, to Laser Quest, is where, where these moments oh always my God. bring me back to. This is not a patron cast. We don't... Is, no, I'm just saying, is, like, if anyone knows Laser Quest or Laser Tag, Elon was that guy who went and camped in one place and relentlessly relentlessly went after everyone like he didn't i mean it actually i was playing to win I, very well with your fantasy hockey strategy yeah when i play games i try to win those games yeah. i'm not like hurting anybody here i was hurt okay well you chose to be hurt okay, okay. anyway can uh, we start the show now yeah yeah th- 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 should we th- just th- forget it therapy's books for tomorrow Okay, good. All right. I'm not going. So we are going to go through every team. (laughs) I have plans. So, uh, no, I don't. Okay, so uh, the plan is that the way we're going to order the teams that we're going to discuss is we on our Patreon, another thing about the Discord, I didn't mean to make this all about the Discord, of course, but we do have a lot of fun there, is when people join, they have the option to choose their team that they follow, like kind of self-identify, so then people can like tag, you know, oh, Maple Leafs, what do you think about this person? And then all the people who are like Leafs fans get tagged. It's a lot of fun. And so we've got uh, Norm helped me to order all of the teams by who's the most popular to the least popular, according to the patrons. And guess what? The Leafs are the most popular. So we have 57 Leaf fans on the Discord, which means we're going to start in Toronto, where, of course, we need to discuss Matt Murray is back. Welcome back, Matt Murray. He played two strong games versus Buffalo and New Jersey. I don't know what makes me more excited for him, the fact that he had two strong games or the fact that he completed two games at all, right? No injuries, healthy from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And he actually played well against, you know, Buffalo is, is a pretty good team. And then New Jersey, one of the best teams in the league. So I don't even know what to say here. Like, I feel like obvi- we've been getting some questions on Twitter. Like, should I add this person or Murray or should blah, blah. Like, definitely add Matt Murray, right? Like, my concern with Matt Murray is that he'll likely get injured. I hope not. You know, I'm, I'm wishing him the best. But especially while Samsonov is out. And the latest on Samsonov, Sheldon Keefe said, uh, he was asked, you know, what do you think about Samsonov or what's going to happen with him? He said, he's not at the point now where he is in any sort of push to come back. He has some 
more healing to do. Not quite at the point of being able to push it every day. So he's still a little bit away. Matt Murray is the clear starting goalie on a really strong team. He's playing well, which is almost like a bonus because even if he didn't play so well, he'd probably still get decent stats because he's on such a strong team. So yeah, I would say don't you know bank your season on Matt Murray. Don't trade away like one of your star skaters to get to upgrade one of your goalies to Matt Murray. But if he's in free agency, 100% slam dunk. He's You want him, right, Brian? Yeah, you want him. 100%. You want the starter on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Although we've said in the past the reason to avoid Shalgren or to not raise for Petrozelli, which never ended up needing to be a thing you, you would have had to do, is that they don't give up a lot of shots. So, uh, you know, you, you make a couple mistakes in a night and, hey, you're kind of in trouble as a goalie. You don't have great numbers. But... If you're looking for wins, you definitely go for Matt Murray. And honestly, if you're even just looking, if you're looking for rates, go for Matt Murray too. Like you said, Elon, we have that quote that with the way Matt Murray's playing, they don't need to rush back Samsonov. However, if you remember back from like the second episode we did of this season, there is a Matt Murray cycle and we are officially back in it. He's going to come back with a surprising run. Then he's going to fall apart for a little bit. Then he might have one or two, like a glimmer of hope. Uh, game type games and then he's going to get injured again so in the meantime go ahead and enjoy it while it lasts and maybe this is the time Matt Murray breaks the cycle but you don't have to worry about that right now right now all you know is if the Toronto Maple Leafs starting goalie is playing well and available to you then just go ahead and get him yeah so and, and good uh, good luck to the Leafs, right? Like I, I hope that he because uh, you know the team has been getting a lot of crap for taking this big swing on Murray and Samsonov as the tandem. And then they both got injured, and I was like, well, that's what you get for. So you know, I, I wish them some luck to just like have Matt Murray be healthy and to not just like the team go up in flames because they you know took this risk. So anyway, we'll see what happens next up. We're going to the Vancouver Canucks. We have forty eight fans on our Discord, and we had a question from Yakolev, which I guess was even a question. It was more just like a. Uh, request can we get some ep40 praise some numbers etc he's been great in the cupful too yeah elias Pettersson has been great in every league he's been fantastic he's got 13 points in his last nine games up to 22 points in 18 games on the season brian that's an 100 point pace uh the lines of course have been shaking around in vancouver quite a bit but now we're back to those lines that we saw in the preseason Pettersson, mikhaev and kuzmenko uh nice to see by the way kuzmenko waking up a little bit uh you know after his healthy scratch and obviously i think now i'm interested in him again now that he's back playing with Elias Pettersson and that's because yes I don't know what Yakulov what else you want me to say maybe Brian will dig into it more I think Pettersson is awesome uh, like I said he's on a hundred point pace so I guess my question to you Brian is is he gonna hit a hundred do you think by the end of the year assuming he plays all 82 games do you think we're looking at a hundred point Elias Pettersson season this takes me back to before the 2020-2021 season where Elias Pettersson had a rookie season, 76-point pace, uh, sophomore season, 80-point pace. And we were talking about, could he be an 100-point player? Is he worth drafting as early as the second round? Maybe even creeping into the end of the first? And the answer there at that point was definitively, yes, he would be. Of course, that was followed by uh, an injury-plagued 66-point season uh, that year that we were looking for 100. And then the following season, which was last year, all of Vancouver really, really struggled for a lot of the year. And we never put any of the blame on Pedersen. We just said, hey, this needs to be worked out. It'll be okay. Don't need to worry about it. And sure enough, towards the end, he did pick up his game and that he ended the season on a 70-point pace was kind of an accomplishment in and of itself. And now, yeah, Pedersen is having, he's on that 100-point pace that we hoped he'd be. And one thing that I'm liking about what I'm seeing from him is uh, I'm, I'm liking that he is shooting more. 
that's nice. And those shots are coming at even strength too. So good for him for getting more involved as a shooter at five on five. Those shots seem to be coming from better locations, uh, like not by a ton, but enough to move the needle, at least just a little bit. And also, I don't know if this has anything to do with anything, but Pedersen has a penalty kill role this year. He's one shorthanded point already. Uh, if he can just do that once every 20 games, then yet another four points onto his totals. And that's a... Uh, that's worth it. That's nice. Nice little bonus. So yeah, I love that he's pacing for three shots a game for the first time in his career. He's been very steady two and a half shot per game guy. Um, And he seems to be easily, I think one of the reasons for that is he is the guy on his line, right? Like if we look at who he's played with most, uh, like you've got Ilya Mikhaev, Andrei Kuzmenko, these are not the guys that you expect to be shooting. It's not like there's a, a Brock Besser or a JT Miller waiting to take the puck and fire it on net. No, this is Pedersen's job is to go uh, get those goals. And he's done an amazing job of it this year already with, uh, what's he up to but already? Nine goals in 18 games. So pacing for a 40-goal season might be a, a titch high, but... That's because he's he's succeeding at five on five, but he has yet to score a power play goal. So those two things might wash each other out. So if this was uh, this was just supposed to be an Elias Pettersson celebration, and there it is, there's the Elias Pettersson celebration. I have no concerns about what he's doing. If you find anyone who does, go ahead and buy high because I think uh, I think we're looking at a potential 100-point season from him. He can keep this up, and if he doesn't, I don't think he's going to fall off a whole bunch from where he's at now. Right. Yeah. Like worst case 90, probably <laughs> like I really and especially because he was able to do so well while Vancouver was such a tire fire. Like that's a good sign, right? Because maybe things will even turn around a bit. Hey, Thatcher Demko finally had a good game. Like what was it? His first of the season letting in fewer than yeah, fewer than three goals. Only one goal against versus L.A. stopping uh, 37 out of 38 in a big win there. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen uh, moving forward. And for those people with Demko in free agency, now would be the time to go and grab him. Uh, by the way, I'll just throw that out there. But, okay, Brian, next up, the next most popular team is, of course, Les Habitants de Montréal. I was surprised they weren't uh, number two uh, because we do have a lot of French-speaking patrons. Uh, but, yeah, the Habs have 42 fans. And we got to talk about an outchery here, just like in Toronto, Mike Matheson played his first game of the season yesterday versus Philly, the big return for Jeff. Petrie, who, by the way, I don't know. We've really talked about Jeff Petrie. Like he's doing very well in Pittsburgh. He scored a goal again today. I wonder if like the Habs should have just kept Petrie. But anyway, whatever. Okay, they, they don't care because they're thinking to the future, anyways. But Matheson played his first game and he scored a goal himself. Had three shots, two blocks, one hit. Played a lot of minutes in the five-four win. The Habs are still running a five-forward power play. So even though on Frozen Tools it looks like he was like the top power play quarterback in terms of like he's like you see him as the defenseman with the most time. He was actually on the the second power play, similar to what Jekai was uh, getting before. Either way, clearly an interesting ad at this point, I would say, as the top defenseman on the team. He's probably out there in a lot of leagues. Brian, what is your thought on Mike Matheson? And do you think people should go get him if they need some defense? I think you could try him out. Like, we don't know what to expect from him yet, right? Like, he just made his Montreal debut. um, And we know that he's not necessarily guaranteed to get on the power play. In fact, Marty St. Louis, in, was it the last game or the game before? He's like, yeah, Mike Hoffman was injured, which is why we didn't pull him out a whole lot after we noticed he was hurt. But we kept him because we thought he could still be useful to us on 
what was that five forward power play. So if Marty St. Louis is willing to play a half able Mike Hoffman on the power play above Mike Matheson, then maybe that's a sign that this isn't necessarily something we can expect to happen with any kind of consistency. But as somebody who's going to eat a lot of minutes, like to make your season debut and play 24 minutes coming back from an injury, not being eased in or anything, that could be an indication that Montreal expects to use this guy a lot. And anybody who's on the ice a lot for Montreal might be able to pick up. I mean, Matson has never been a huge hits guy. He, at one point in his career, could be relied on for a couple blocks a game, although that that's faded away to become like one block a game. And uh, I do like that he took three shots, though. He has had a reputation to be able to put some shots on net. So we'll see how well he's used. And also, if he gets to play with that top line in Montreal, that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, so I think if you're looking for a fourth defenseman or maybe even a third, you could take a look at Mike Matheson. I, I wouldn't for sure think he's someone who's going to stick on your roster all season long, but I will hold him for a couple games just to see how Montreal is using him. Yeah, I think I agree. Like uh, at the end of the day, he's like the best defenseman on the team and Montreal scores some goals, right? Specifically Suzuki, Caulfield and Kirby Doc have just continued their wild run. And Brian, I was pretty surprised you shared some data on our Discord a couple of days ago say, asking if people maybe should sell high on Suzuki because you were I even forget exactly what it was. It was some like advanced stat to indicate that you don't think they'll be able to keep this up. And like, I'm just curious, do you really feel that way? Do you really think that people who have Suzuki or Caulfield or Doc should be trying to sell them at this point? Because to me, I just see game in, game out. These guys are like producing like all that's such a successful line so far. Yeah. So, I mean, selling is is a tough call because it depends on what you get back right now. Nick Suzuki is on a one hundred and five point pace. I don't think he's going to keep that up. But I think the question is, how far is he going to regress? And if you're going to trade him, you're not getting another 100-point player back, right? Maybe you can get a point-per-game player, but maybe you've already got that in Nick Suzuki, who might have the upside to keep clicking. Same thing with Cole Caulfield, who's doing amazing. 11 goals through 18 games, 87-point pace. And Kirby Doc, ever since getting up to that line, has been uh, just money. Uh, He's got four multi-point outings in his last 10 games. He's only gotten pointless twice in those last 10. He's not a scorer. Like, he's not shooting a lot, um, but he has picked up three goals in that time and, of course, is feasting on assists, playing on the top line and top power play with Suzuki and Doc. So the question around both these guys, and the piece of data I shared was shared by Jay Fresh on Twitter, who shared something that we had already noted on the podcast, which is that that line... They're converting at too high a rate. Like their on-ice shooting percentages are high. Of course, it means their individual shooting percentages are high. And what Jay Fresh did is sort of charted the high watermarks from past seasons and compared that to where Suzuki specifically is at for shooting percentage and on-ice shooting percentage. And, And of course, shooting percentage was compared to Suzuki's own career numbers. But basically saying, yeah, this would be kind of a new high watermark if Suzuki and by extension, Caulfield and Doc, were all able to keep up what they were doing. Now, I am, again, not disbelieving that this is a really talented line, but I am I am just a little skeptical that they're going to keep clicking quite at this pace, especially for someone like Kirby Doc, who, if you have him, I have him, and I'm about to blow his trade value on this show. I have him in the cuckupful, kkupfl.com, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Page in Fantasy League. I have him on my tier three team in the Binghamton division, and I'm looking to sell for someone who might, I'm looking to sell for right now a 55 point ish defenseman, like a power play one quarterback. That's what I'd really like 
to get back for Doc because I think some regression's coming. And when it does, I think Doc still could be 60, 65-point player through the rest of the season, which is nothing to sneeze at. But right now he's on a pace that is crazy hot. Like he's on a 73-point pace, and that's after doing nothing. Well, largely nothing for the first seven or eight games of the season. So the question about Suzuki, Doc, and Caulfield isn't like, do you sell high because they're going to crash? It's uh, like, how much can you continue expecting from them? And I would say maybe I'd continue expecting 80, 80% comfortably of what they're doing right now. Maybe 90%. I would not expect 100% of what they're doing right now, though. So that's, that's the lesson here. If you can sell anybody, any of these three at 100% of their value, then you do you. Go for it. Let us know what you get. Otherwise, I'm not saying to go dump Suzuki, dump Caulfield, because they're going to flame out. I'm not saying that. I think if there is one guy that I am concerned about holding the most value the rest of the way, it's Doc, just because, again, he's not a big shooter. He's going to rely on getting assists. And when he doesn't get an assist, he probably might not even get a shot, or he'll get one. So if you have Kirby Doc, maybe that's something to consider, as I am doing right now. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if, if, if you value him as like only a 65 point guy or, you know, not the whatever pace he's on now. I think that's probably what I do, too. Like, I, it's just like it's really good considering you got him out of free agency just a few weeks ago. And uh, I think the Habs really got something there. But yeah. OK, he looks like he looks legitimately good, too. Like I got him out of free agency. And I and I've mentioned before I mentioned on the show, right? Pause the pod. Go get Kirby Doc. Um, 13 points in 10 games now since roughly the time we said that. And, uh, like, I don't think he's lucked into these points. I guess I've made that point already. He's just, he's looked really good, and the Montreal beat writers can't stop saying how, how Chicago gave up on this guy and how much skill they see in him and how he knows how to work with Suzuki and Caulfield. Okay, Elon, I'm done. I just want to make sure I'm talking positively enough about these three guys for what they're doing. Yeah, they're amazing. Okay, next up, we're going to go to Detroit, who have 37 fans on our Discord. I guess I, guess I don't need to keep saying the number, but you, I, we're going in order here. Detroit, obviously, very popular. Lewis is a big fan. I've got three different storylines about Detroit that I want to throw at you, and then you can comment what you uh, want. So first of all, we've got an outjury. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is back in the NHL. So welcome back, Bertuzzi. He had no points versus Anaheim and San Jose. Finally did score a goal versus Columbus on Saturday. He's been on the second line, though, not the top line with Larkin. He's been on the second line with Kopp and Raymond and also on the second power play away from Dylan Larkin. So that's no good. If that holds, I think that would be something to be concerned about. Of course, that's a big if. Like I feel like these lines change around a lot over in Detroit. Uh, currently, we've got Dominic Kubalik still on the top line and top power play with Larkin. I think an interesting question would be if you had... You you know, one of them, the other was in free agency. Like, who would you prefer at this point between Kubalik and Bertuzzi, you know, for the rest of the season? Okay, so that's storyline number one. Then Brandon wanted us to talk about Philip Hironik. He's, he asked, what scoring demon is currently possessing this man? He lost the top power play recently back to Cider, but still Hironik keeps on going. He had two goals yesterday versus Columbus, which brings him to six points in his last four games. He's got 14 points in 18 games on the season. So just a huge like resurgence, I guess, because we used to be really into Heronic and then, you know, it looked like Cider totally took his job, but now he's having a career year so far. And then speaking of Cider, three assists, including two on the power play on Saturday. He also had a goal on Thursday versus San Jose. So it looks like this guy's finally getting back on track, uh, you know, after being kind of a huge bust for the start of the season. Tim A asked us on our Discord, since it being Yankee Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that Cider seems to have righted himself and will I feel the same way by New Year's Day? So, okay, so Brian, back to you for Bertuzzi. Are we worried? Heronic, can he keep it up? And Cider, is he going to still make Tim A happy come a month from now when it's New Year's? All right. Okay. 
Bertuzzi, are we worried? A little. We're a little worried about Tyler Bertuzzi because he's on the second line and the second power play. And by the way, Detroit is not splitting those power plays. There were a couple games early on where we wondered if maybe they were. They're not. So uh, so that that is concerning to me. Of course, Tyler Bertuzzi has some upward mobility. He can take Oscar Sundqvist's spot on the top power play if, um, if Coach lets him, if Derek Lalonde wants him up there, but that hasn't happened yet. But as far as he's, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Bertuzzi's off the top line and top power play, I'm a little concerned about him. That said, it's like he's barely been back. So let's see how this plays out. I think Bertuzzi is probably the better hockey player than Dominic Kubalik, like the better guy if they're getting the same deployment. But they're not. Kubalik's deployment is a lot better than Bertuzzi's at the moment. So I think that sort of washes out any difference between them. It makes them roughly equal in terms of fantasy value. If I had Kubalik, I might consider flipping him for Bertuzzi. I might. Like, it would be a gutsy move, but it would it would be in the belief, if you believe, and I'm not 100% sure I do, that Bertuzzi can do as well as Kubalik from his deployment. And then, of course, upside is through the roof if Bertuzzi does ascend onto the top power play or top line. But that second line in Detroit with Kopp and Raymond doesn't seem like such an awesome line. And Bertuzzi himself is also not somebody who I really trust to be able to drive a line and take care of business. So that is why, uh, you know, there might be a little room reason for concern for Bertuzzi, but I wouldn't, wouldn't draw any large conclusions based on just the game back that he's played so far. As for Philip Ronick, he's pacing for 23 power play points, which won't continue from the second unit. Uh, he's also picked up a goal every four games. That also won't continue. That'd be 20 goals because he's scoring on 10% of his 40 shots so far. So that's unsustainable. But Hronik's shots, at least he's shooting more. That looks good. This is what we'd have liked to see from Philip Ronick from the last couple of years when he couldn't gain any kind of traction when we were just begging him to. Remember when we wanted him to take the power play one job from Dennis Cholowski? It's been oh a ride. God, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's been a ride with Philip Peronic, like, and then healthy scratches. Anyway, right now, I think what we can expect from him is, is a couple shots a game, you know, 45 points, give or take five. I know that's a pretty big range, but I, I feel like I still want to see more. Um, he's rosterable in most leagues for sure. I just added him in a points-only league that only has three D slots. I feel like D is thin thinner than it has been in previous years this season there's fewer guys that are really making like hitting that floor peripherally or points wise either so i think uh if ronick's available you gotta go look for him and see i I think you probably have room for him on your roster if you're looking for at least a fourth d and then moritz cider it is good to see him back shooting rates are still down for cider from last year at five on five so that's not great it's good cider is back on the top power play Um, Because I think he's going to need the 20 odd points he got there from last season to be a consistently fantasy relevant guy. He's definitely not blowing the doors off like a lot of folks were hoping when they drafted him amongst the top 10 or 15 defensemen in their league. Detroit also hasn't looked too great with him on the ice at five on five. But of course, they've had some injury trouble. So maybe maybe now that Bertuzzi's back. We'll see what happens with Cider while he's on the ice. But I haven't seen anything to really get me too excited. And that drop in shots is also a bit of a bummer. So I'm glad he's back on the top power play, but I'm not jumping for joy about what I'm seeing from him if I was one of the people who drafted him, like put a lot of draft capital into Moritz Cider. 
Okay, yeah. All great insights for sure. Uh, and yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens between Horonic and Cider because I really expect their fortunes to like flip <laughs> like for the season moving forward. At least that's what we would have expected when the you know the season started. So it'll be fun to see, yeah, come New Year's Day, how both Cider and Horonic are looking. And also if Bertuzzi is back on the top power plays. Yeah, I wish we could just go into the future and find out some of these things. Okay, let's go now to the Boston Bruins. But before we do that, Brian, we've got a lot of teams to get to. So let's just pace ourselves, take a little break. Listen to some uh, advertisements from our friends that are, whatever, they're not our friends, but I don't know, they're people who support the show. So uh, we'll be back in just a sec. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian. We're going to the Boston Bruins and another outjury to discuss. Jeremy Swayman, just like Matt Murray. Brian, right away. Matt Murray or Jeremy Swayman? Obviously Matt Murray, right? Matt Murray. Though he'll probably get injured. But Easy. yeah, Swayman, the th- yeah, so Swayman, though, had a nice game. Stopped 17 of 18 in a win over Chicago, though. You know, it was versus Chicago, so maybe you don't want to read too much into that. Meanwhile, while he's been out, Allmark has been having a Vesna caliber season. Linus Allmark has a 937 save percentage, 12 wins in 14 games. Is there, like, any value in Jeremy Swayman? Like, do you... I mean, we don't know, right? But my, I would guess that the way Allmark's been playing, he should just be the starter and Swayman should just be the backup. But we know last year was more like a 50-50 thing and even seemed like maybe Swayman would be the starter. So I'm just curious to get your take on like if you see Swayman in free agency or if you had him in your IR, is he someone you need to get back on your team? Or is it like unless you're in a league where it's like impossible to get a goalie, can you just throw him into free agency because he's the backup to Allmark now? I, well, I, I don't even know that... I, I don't fully agree with either statement, actually. I think if you want volume... Uh, Swayman is not going to be your guy. If you want rates, I think he might be your guy. Uh, and Allmark has been amazing. Like, this is easily Allmark's best performance in the NHL so far. Am I 100% sold it's going to last? No, I'm not. So I think the door will open to Swayman. And honestly, the door seemed fairly open to Swayman already, even when he was struggling early on. I could see this being still a, a roughly 50-50 split. Even if Allmark is playing well and Swayman isn't, if the Bruins are winning with Swayman struggling, I think they'd rather they they seem to feel like they'd rather have both goalies going. But of course, right now the 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 leader, the clubhouse leader, to get fifty five or sixty percent share of the starts is Linus Allmark. So keep that in mind if you are looking for Jeremy Swayman, who is not a must add unless you're looking for like a start a week with a good chance of a win and a decent chance of some rate stats. Yeah, the Bruins are so good. Charlie McAvoy, four assists on Saturday. He's up to seven points in five games. Anyone who got him late in drafts because he was injured, laughing right now. This team, remember all these people having their hot takes that the Bruins, this is going to be the year they kind of fall off because they're older and all these people were injured. Like, now one of the top teams in the league. So there you go. Congrats to Bruins fans, of which there are many of them on our Discord since we are talking about this earlier in the show. Next up, Brian, it's your Ottawa Senators. And we basically just have cold streaks to talk about <laughs> for them this week. Uh, I wanted to first bring up Drake Bath. Atherson, who's been pretty mad lately, uh, only three points in his last nine games. Uh, last couple of games saw zero points and only one shot. So he's not even helping you with the peripherals this past week. He started the year strong. He's really faded. I'm just curious to know if managers should be concerned about him. And also Shams wanted us to talk about Jake Sanderson, who, you know, we brought up when Shabbat got injured. By the way, Shabbat was already skating today, so we, maybe he'll be back soon. But in the meantime, we were like, okay, we'll take Sanderson. He's on the top power play. But he's kind of been, uh, well, he had two assists actually versus Buffalo. But aside from that, not too, too much. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on Batherson and Sanderson. Obviously, like, Batherson's someone you have to hold, but I'm just curious to know, your, you know, how concerned you would be if you had him. And then for Sanderson, is he a drop or is he still a hold until Shabbat comes back? Okay, let's start with Batherson, 
who is, uh, yeah, not a great spot in the depth chart these days, has been flirting with the third line with Shane Pinto and Tyler Mott, which isn't a, a really fantastic place to produce from. If Ottawa's trying to make a top nine and you think Pinto is a legit piece there and with Batherson, then maybe they can make something of that. But we were already concerned about Batherson sharing time as a, in the top six instead of being on like a straight up top line. So this is not a better situation for him at all. The thing with Batherson, though, is he's still on a 70-point pace, even with this recent cold run. Um, And I see some low shooting percentages from him and a low on-ice shooting percentage for Batherson at 5-on-5. But I I would still... So, so like, there's reason to believe he could keep this up, but I don't think he can keep this up if he spends extended time on the third line. And right now, I think the biggest danger to Batherson is that he's on the third line when the Sens start winning. Like, they are mired in a slump. This is not going well. This is not the season that the Sens thought they'd be having. Uh, You know, lots of talk about firing the coach and expressing confidence in the coach. So uh, one side, the media, of course, and the other side, the GM. So I think, I, I yeah, I, I'll just say it that way. I think if Ottawa turns things around with Batherson in the wrong place, it's like roulette. Like if Batherson happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, that might bode really poorly for him. So I would just want as many turns in the top six for Batherson coming up as possible so that when the Sens do put together a couple wins, he finds himself in the right place and the coaching staff isn't like, oh, this is really working with Batherson on the third line. That would be bad. Okay, yeah, and Jake Sanderson, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, he hasn't really been that bad, Shams. Like, come on, what did you expect from this guy? Yeah, exactly. I think Sanderson is re- mostly meeting expectations. The, the the guy, and, like, I don't think his his ice time hasn't, as we said. Like, he, he hasn't been taking all of Shabbat's ice time. He's been taking a, a chunk of it, but not all of it. Um, you know, I, Ottawa was outclassed by the Devils on Saturday, uh, so he had nothing to show for that except three blocks. yeah. You know, not, I, I don't know. I think Sanderson has been about what we would have expected. If you were expecting a whole bunch of power play production from him, I'm sorry, that hasn't come. But he has three power play points in his last six games, so that's also nothing to sneeze at. I think uh, I think we're good. I don't I don't see I don't see much storyline here with Sanderson right now. So Shams, if, yeah. if you, feel free to elaborate on the server because you have a really good eye for these things. But I'm just like, yeah, I think uh, I think he's still roughly meeting expectations. Yeah, I think if I had him in Kakupful, I would hold, but I wouldn't be like, I'm expecting this guy to be like a sure thing for the rest of the season kind of guy. Just like r- right on the line. Uh, okay, let's go to Edmonton now, the next most popular team here. I guess we're running through the Canadian teams. Uh, there's been now three games in a row for Stuart Skinner. They've all been great. Like Skinner's just had an amazing season, right? But now the fact that he's played three in a row, three quality starts, he's stopped 31 of 34 in the big 4-3 overtime win over Vegas yesterday, a really strong opponent. To me, like, I mean, <laughs> if I was running the Oilers, I'd be like, this goalie controversy is like decided it's over right like congrats to anyone who added skinner when they had the chance jack campbell like i really don't see a reason to hold him unless you're just expecting that they have to give him another chance but it's just like again like swayman like at this point is jack campbell really gonna get like more than 50 percent of the games when like Stuart skinner has so clearly been better than him it's a lot like Huso last year stealing the job from binnington uh really reminds me of a similar like seems the same to me at this point and the oilers aren't one of these teams that really you know has the luxury 
luxury of trying to like help Campbell get back. You know, they they got to go for it, right? <laughs> this is their window. So I don't know, if, Brian, if you have a different opinion. And like, obviously, we don't run the team, and we don't know. But to me, if I was running the team, it's just like Stuart Skinner is clearly your best goalie. And look at yeah, you're pay, you're paying a lot of money to have Jack Campbell as your backup, which isn't ideal. But you're also paying very little money to have Stuart Skinner as your starter. So just like be happy with what you have. Don't worry about who's getting which money, right? Okay. And then also Shams wanted us to talk about Darnell Nurse, who had two assists yesterday. Before that was pointless and four. Uh, he asked us to talk about Nurse because he, you know, he doesn't get that many points usually, aside from that last game. But he's usually such a great banger. Uh, but he's down hits. He's not hitting as much. So it's, it's really hard to read into. I see that like he's you know down a minute or so a game. Is that like all we can really look at to try to determine if there's a reason why Nurse has been hitting a little bit less? Well, we actually we can look over his like rate stats per sixty. This is tracked on Natural Stat Trick, and his hit rates are like they're eh. Like, they're not as high as they've been at times, but, like, basically, Nurse has seasons where he hits a lot and seasons where he hits, like, a moderate amount. And this, so far, is a season where he's hitting a moderate amount. He has lost 70 seconds of five-on-five ice time per night, which isn't really going well for him. Uh, He did have that four-game cold snap, but, like, I don't think there's a need to panic. Um, I think, again, like, I I don't think there's anything not to like here. Sure, yeah, you are missing out on, on a couple hits, like, Last year, Nurse was averaging uh, seven and a half hits per 60 minutes. This year, it's uh, five and a half hits per 60 minutes. So it's not a over six, over each 60 minutes that he plays. It's not a huge, huge discrepancy there. Um, but I can see why you might find yourself a little disappointed, especially with that little scoring drought he went through. But all in all, I think Nurse is also delivering about what I'd expect him to. Um, for Stuart Skinner over delivering for sure and that's not to say you can't keep it up i don't know he's won three in a row or sorry he has he's had three amazing starts in a row that he could have won he won two with them stopped 31 of 34 against vegas hard opponent he stopped 40 against 42 at florida hard opponent and against la he stopped all but two of the 31 shots he faced and took the l so that's a game he definitely could have won so why not keep running with skinner till he slips and if he doesn't slip it's not an awful problem to have in Edmonton, Elon. Like your your cognitive dissonance, like the the what you said to what they could use to deal with the cognitive dissonance in Edmonton, which is like, okay, well, this is the total amount we're paying for goalies. We're getting pretty good value for it. You know, there could be some injured pride in the Edmonton front office if Skinner doesn't falter, but I'm sure they'll trade that to have a legit, steady number one goalie that their uh, incredible offense can ride. Yeah, yeah. Adam is saying in the chat here, Skinner's an RFA this offseason, so if they make him the bona fide starter, his price will go up. Like, yeah, but I mean, if you're an Oilers fan, you're like, you got to go for it every year while you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, right? And if you're not, you're like selling yourself short. So I'm, again, I, I don't run the team. I feel like you go with the goal that's going to help you get a lot of wins. Uh, let's next go to the Colorado Avalanche. And I guess the main thing I wanted to bring up here is that I really blew it. And I believe you did as well, Brad. We both dropped Arturi Lekkonen, uh in the Arc a couple divisions. And I think we recommended on the show that maybe he wasn't going to be like that. And may- like, you know, he was on the top line and not really producing. And then at one point he was, you know, brought under the the second line we were like okay maybe like we've seen what his ceiling is well we were wrong okay six game point streak he's crushing it again on the top line top power play with mckinnon and rantanen he should be rostered in 100 percent of leagues and this is probably going to be the kind of thing that keeps me up at night for the rest of the season i believe yeah I, but i think you're not like i think you need to forgive yourself i i feel bad about dropping Lekkonen in two leagues also but the problem wasn't that we didn't see the potential there the problem was that his schedule was garbage right while he was snake bit Colorado had two consecutive weeks where they only played two games and at least if I'm remembering right at least one of those games in each of those weeks was a busy night so a guy who wasn't 
putting in points despite being in a really great position was going to play one, maybe two games for you over a two-week stretch, you're going to hold on to him? No, you're going to stream him out unless you're in a really patient position, which neither of us are. It's really hard to be in a really patient position in the cupful, which is a great part of it. Like Lekkonen's underlying numbers were always decent. And then the Nishushkin injury and uh, an extended prognosis for how long Nishushkin would be out has obviously helped give Lekkonen some some entrenchment in that great deployment he has. Um, but I am with you, Elon. Like, it is a bit, like, I feel bad about it, even though I can look back and say, yeah, I understand what I did that. I can also say I gave up on Arturi Lekkonen too soon. Yeah. And if anyone has him out there, Adam, for sure. Like, better than even Kirby Doc, I would say, who's like someone I'm very high on. That would I'm be, a, on that would be a, good com- a good comparison. Well, I mean, yeah, and Kirby Doc, as much as I love his line mates, I love Lekkonen's more. Uh, all right, so next up, the Philadelphia Flyers. Man, this team, you know, it's like kind of sad. I feel bad. I'm not even a Flyers fan, right? But like they brought in Tortorella, and he really seemed to be turning things around for this team that we really had no expectations from. And I was like, look, good for them. Okay, look at this. Uh, a team uh, meet, uh, exceeding our expectations. But these injuries are ravaging them. Like Couturier's out, Atkinson's out, JVR already out. Now I just saw that Konechny missed Saturday's game with an upper body injury. Apparently, he hurt his right hand. So who knows how long he'll be out from that. That's Scott Lawton, one of their, you know, heart and soul guys, I guess, you know, got hurt yesterday versus Montreal. So uh, I don't know. But you know who is still there? Owen Tippett. And he's really stepping up lately. He's been on the top line with Frost and Farabee, at least on Saturday. Uh, he had two goals versus the Habs and six shots. He's on a four-game point streak. So uh, he's only 5% rostered on Yahoo. At least that was the case when I was preparing for this show on today, a Sunday morning. He should be rostered in many more leagues, I believe. Owen Tippett is on a great run, and now he's getting the best deployment you can get on Philly because really they don't have anyone else. But it doesn't matter, right? I think Owen Tippett has earned his spot on more of people's rosters than he's gotten so far. Yeah, he has. The rumored finisher, Owen Tippett, he's finishing. It's happening. And Tippett's shooting, right? You need to shoot to finish. And Tippett is shooting. Steady three shots per game all season, which we noted before he started finishing and liked him as a spec ad. And here he is, not only shooting and finishing, but thriving. Tippett saw 21 minutes a night last night, thanks to five and a half minutes on the top power play unit, of course. But still, like... John John Tortorella is not an easy guy to please. So to see Tippett, who kind of like to me doesn't fit the profile necessarily of a guy who might endear himself to Tortorella, has apparently done that for this week. Anyway, we'll see what comes in the future. I think Tippett is probably still converting a little over his head, and he's still on a weak team where the top line is like barely a top line. It's a top line in name, but not necessarily in function. Um, yeah, I think Tippett could probably be good. Like, he's currently on pace for more than 60 points. I think 55 points would be more reasonable. But this is to say, I would add him if he's available. And I'd ros- keep rostering him for sure until he cools down, assuming that he cools down. I, I think he will. Also, Elon, I think you might have just buried the lead a little with what's going on in Philly uh, about what's going wrong. I just wanted to point out Carter Hart now with five consecutive sub-900 starts, sub-890 starts. This is... This is it. They were riding a crazy like 945 Carter Hart. Maybe your fantasy teams were too. You might be kicking yourself now for not selling when you had the opportunity. When you thought maybe, just maybe, he can keep this up. He's been an 874 goalie over his last five games, which, um, yeah, has been one big reason why those dubs have turned into L's. 
Yeah, I mean, but also it's probably all connected, right? All these injuries probably don't help Carter Hart's because like, remember that year? I think it was the first COVID year. It was like the team was so decimated and he was like, pl- you know, it's tough to probably play goalie. Uh, behind. Not everyone's Carol V. Melka who could somehow put up these amazing performances even though you're behind such a terrible team or at least terrible looking team. But yeah, too bad for Carter Hart. I think he could turn it around, but it would probably help if Philly could just get some players out of the infirmary here. Also, Andy is saying in the chat here that I also buried another lead or missed a big storyline that Morgan Frost on the top line is also big news. I guess Hayes is, Hayes is still doing well, but Frost had a, a big game in terms of TOI, played 23 minutes in that game versus Montreal, and he was also on the top power play, so he's also someone to watch. I guess another guy slumping right now is Tony D'Angelo, just one assist in his last five games. He had a great start, now down to just a 46-point pace. I personally think now would be a good time trying to get Tony D'Angelo, but I guess it depends how much you believe in Philly being able to bounce back, even with all these players hurt. I'm curious. I wish I could see what they would be like with Couturier, Atkinson, JVR, Konechny, like all in the lineup with Tippett and Frost and Tony D'Angelo. Like maybe this team could, we'll never know, yeah. but I'll bet you they could be good. I mean, I, yeah, okay. I don't, they, maybe they could be okay. I think that's probably the way to summarize. D'Angelo uh, has been struggling too, though, as you mentioned. In the last seven games, like Philly's struggling, uh, not just Carter Hart, on the power play, they've converted just twice on 20 chances. And D'Angelo pointed on one of those two goals on the power play in the last seven games. So that's good. One thing I like about D'Angelo, though, is that, you know, he's still taking two and a half shots per game. He's been a pre- he's generally been a pretty decent converter for a defenseman. Um, right now, there's just not a whole lot going in at five on five or on the the power play when D'Angelo is on the ice. Um, so as far as what your expectations might be for D'Angelo going forward, I think he can stay on track for that 50-ish that I think I figured he'd be going into the season. I know there was hope for more. Some people thought less. Um, I'd say it's more likely that D'Angelo finishes above 50 than below. Like what we're seeing lately is, is too cold for him. I don't think he's disappeared. It's just been a tough time for Philly. As you mentioned, there's several reasons for that. Um, but that means it's been a tough time for Tony D'Angelo. And you hope, you hope they have the personnel and the chemistry to figure things out so that Tony D'Angelo can get going for you again before too long. Okay, next up, let's go to the Calgary Flames. Uh, I'm surprised, pretty low on the list compared to all those other Canadian teams. Uh, but they've been changing up their lines again <laughs> recently. Huberdo at one point was on line three. Then I guess on the last game, they were going Huberdo with Coleman and Backlund. Anyways, then like they swapped at one point and then Backlund and Lindholm swapped. So anyways, I don't even really want to dive into it. All I'll just say is that whatever they did in that last game versus Florida on Saturday got the job done. They won five to four in the shootout. So that's good. Uh, Elias Lindholm, the other we already talked about Elias Pettersson. The other Elias or Elias is is also doing really well right now. Eight points in four games recently for Lindholm, almost up to a point per game on the season, even after that slow start. Uh, so obviously not much you could do there. He's probably rostered in most leagues, but anyone who you know was able to trade for him or buy low after that slow start must be really really happy right now. And of course, Brian, we have to once again bring up Adam Ruzicka, who we brought up last week. Be like this guy's on the top line, and we were talking about him as like a deep ad. You know, in deep leagues, maybe take a look at this guy. He had a, he had a, himself a week. His third multi-point game in his last four was yesterday uh, versus Florida. Like I said, he had two goals and one assist. Like I said, like last week we talked about him as a deep streamer. Any chance this uh, Adam Ruzichka is not like just a streamer, but like actually for real and someone that could keep this up? Like, I don't know. It's, just, it's fantastic. And we're going to talk soon about this Parsonin guy on Nashville. So like maybe we could even put a, you know, a stamp here and remember to compare those two when we get there. Because there are two like random no-name guys who all of a sudden are top liners producing. And Ruzichka, wow, what a game versus Florida. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And of course, you're linking Ruzichka and Lindholm because they're producing together, right? That line 
Lindholm to Foley and Ruzicka is clicking real well lately. And Lindholm is picking up points as a result, which is, yeah, it's nice to see. Lucas Lindholm seems like a decent player. Uh, and it's nice to see that there is a line that he's found that's working for him. Of course, one thing that's really working for that line is that Adam Ruzicka has scored four times on his last six shots. And when you're asking if if you got to go add Ruzicka, I think you do got to go add Adam Ruzicka while things are going in. Keep in mind, they might stop. And uh, the bright side here, too, is that I don't think Ruzicka is inevitably going to be bumped from Lindholm's line. Like, Huberto doesn't need to play there. Backlund, who's his current center, or Nazem Kadri should suit Huberto just fine as a centerman if that Lindholm line is clicking. So Ruzicka could hang there. The downside, of course, is that Ruzicka has uh, only six shots in four games. So if and when the goals stop, uh, Ruzicka may be a tough guy to roster as a light contributor elsewhere on the score sheet like maybe Alex Chieson type vibes of course that's a low low bar though I, I like Ruzichka I'm more interested in Ruzichka right now than I ever really have been uh, in Chieson's general career pattern so yeah go grab him just be mindful that he's over he's overscoring and he doesn't shoot a lot so be ready to cut ties whenever the goals start regressing yeah, or like when they change the lines up again. Which like could, check right. game day lines. Which could yeah. happen. Daryl Sutter seems eternally grumpy. Yeah, like already in the last game, Ruzicka, I guess, was off the top power play. So it was even more exciting for him when he was top line and top power play. Uh, the last game, yeah, if he's playing with Lindholm, he's still pretty interesting, but that could change at any time. Uh, okay, next up, we are going to Pittsburgh, who's playing right now. They just, I think, finished the second period, or they're about to versus Chicago. Meanwhile, yesterday on Saturday... They shut out the Jets, and Tristan Jari got the shutout. So similar to Thatcher Demko, these goalies that have been struggling all year, maybe we're starting to see things turn around. It was just one good game for Tristan Jari, but that's the start. Tom's, before that game, had asked us to talk about him and probably to ask if we need to drop him or blah, blah, blah. Obviously, now, okay, you're happy. You got a shutout. Let's see if you can build from there. Uh, people were chatting on our Discord about how Jake Gensel scores a lot of empty net goals, which is kind of an interesting thing. Like, uh, Brian, do you have the numbers in front of you of like how many empty net goals this guy has scored this year? I think he's scored an empty net goal in four consecutive games. This is Jake Gensel. So that's, uh, that's a nice little accomplishment for Gensel. If you have him, like my opponent this week does, and the couple, you're probably really enjoying that. And I'm not even going to say, like, but, but it's going to dry up because Jake Gensel, if he's not scoring on empty net, he's still gonna score he's scoring on goals. other ways but he, yeah he has four empty net goals already this season compared to six empty netters in 42 games last year which was his career high so he seems on track to beat that number well the pittsburgh is up three to two over chicago so if this score stays until a minute left in the third you know gensel might be out there for another one uh and also i guess people really want to talk about brian rust right that's been the talk of the week and we already talked about rust on the podcast last week we were kind of like he kind of got a hold on like pittsburgh's looked a little old things are a bit weird blah 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 anyways once again today pittsburgh has scored three goals and my two <laughs> penguins that i'm losing faith in chris letang i won't bring up chris letang but again pointless chris letang sadly and brian rust pointless again ricard raquel has a goal and an assist you know like uh, other people on the team crosby has a couple assist malkin has a goal somehow rust is, is allergic to the score sheet and so people are wondering if they still need to hold on to this guy or if it's time to consider letting go so what's your take right now <laughs> because rust is like even like worse than letang lately yeah one thing one reason you gotta hold and be patient and one reason why is that rust like there's a couple things that are going to regress 
for the better for Brian Russ. The first is that his points participation at even strength is at about 40%. That's about like how we'd expect a good defenseman to contribute to the offense. Brian Rust over his career has generally been in on 60% of the goals scored while he's on the ice. So I think that's one thing that's going to regress and work in his favor. And honestly, we're seeing the same effect on the power play. Right now, Rust has three power play points in 19 games, so about a power play point every six games. Last year, Russ had a power play point every three games, and we also see his points participation down there. Now, his his shots, his shot rates are down a little as well on the power play, which I don't love to see. Maybe that does mean he'll be less than the 60% participant he's been in the past while he's on the ice. But also the Pittsburgh power play has had a hard time scoring. They uh, are converting while Russ is on the ice, on just 10.5% of their shots, which is bad. Like, usually they convert on at least 15% of their shots. So he's not in on the goals that are being scored, and uh, Pittsburgh probably is having some bad luck in the shots that they are attempting to score on. So, with all that said, I think Russ makes a pretty decent buy-low candidate for anyone getting, uh, if you can find a manager who's impatient with him, go for it. I don't know. I don't want to uh, sign off on that. I think that that's going to really <laughs> end up messing well, someone up. <laughs> well, depends what, how low. What don't depends you, how low you can buy him. Well, what don't you like about him? He never gets any points ever. Okay, but today he, he's, but he's got still... no shots. Today's he's done a cardio <laughs> session so far, two periods in, as we call it on our Discord. Okay, right? not even a hit or a block. With? Yeah, like he's playing with, like he was bumped from the Crosby line, right? So what is he playing with Malkin playing and, with and Jason Malkin Zucker? Malkin and Zucker. He's on the top he's power top play. High. For how long? Like, you know, like maybe now's the time to sell him before he gets bumped because he's not doing anything there. And Ricard yeah. Raquel just keeps on scoring goals. At what point are they just like, why don't we see what Ricard could do That would be, there? Yeah, that would be the glass half empty interpretation. I think it's totally reasonable. Like, I, I think it's a it's an interesting point. You're definitely exposing yourself. Maybe I sounded a little too confident. You're, you're exposing yourself to some risk by going out and getting Brian Russ, but I haven't seen enough. Like, I haven't seen anything, actually, to make me think that this guy can't be at least a 60-point and hopefully 70-point player this season. I would say maybe if you have Rust, hold on, but I'm not going out and giving anyone good for him at this point. I think you're just like Elon, let's say you had Rust, I have Doc. Would you make that Yeah, I take Doc. Give me Doc. Okay. For sure. All right. My uh, cacophal opponent who has Brian Rust, maybe we'll talk. Yeah, I mean, maybe I would probably think about it for another minute and not just answer like off the top of my head like that. But right now, I mean, I don't know. I don't want this headache. But anyway, okay, maybe that's why you're uh, more successful this season in Cuckoo. You're like, you know, you're, thinking more you're long-term. the defending Cuckoo champ. Don't sell yourself. Yeah. don't sell yourself short. I actually so wonder if you're year. playing some kind of mind game with me right now because you're going to go make a buy low offer in the league we're both in. <laughs> I mean, I think last year's Elon and this year's Elon are, are very different so far. I wish I could channel that person who was so successful in fantasy last year. Uh, I'm doing well in my other two weeks. Anyways, okay, where, where are we now here? Uh, Rangers is where we're going next. Artemi Panarin, Brian, has gone cold. Okay, but I, I'm not... Before I even get into this, I'm not saying that I'm worried about Artemi Panarin. But I'm just going to bring it up. He's gone cold all of a sudden. He was at the top of the league scoring for a bit to start the season, but now he only has one assist in his last four games and even more concerning, no shots in his last three games overall. Is he turning into Rob Thomas all of a sudden? Is this a guy who like is going to get you an assist, hopefully, and if not, nothing? Or is this just some weird blip and like don't even think about it? Like, why am I even wasting people's time on a sh- show where we have to talk about 32 teams? 
No, I think it's worth mentioning that Panarin's struggling to put shots on net. And I think that shot loss is coming on the power play from what I found. And I think that's because Vincent Trocek has come into the picture on the power play and is taking shot opportunities from Artemi Panarin. This year on the Rangers power play, Zibanejad leads the team in shots on goal, followed by Trocek and Kreider, who are tied like a fair deal behind Zibanejad. But last year, Panarin was the third most frequent shooter on that top power play unit this year being the if you're bumped from the third to fourth most frequent shooter on a power play unit that's not great you're losing some time and the thing is is that if it wasn't working for the rangers then it would be like okay well they're gonna give the puck to panarin a little more but their power play leads the league and expected goals rate so i'm not sure that they're about to change anything they've got going on right now that said panarin should probably even with losing a couple shots here and there should probably have had Another power play goal or two by now, and at five on five, Panarin seeing a depressed on ice shooting percentage, just above 7% versus his usual 10%. So some turnaround is going to come for Panarin, but I wouldn't be surprised if Panarin finishes, like at this rate, if nothing changes on that power play, I wouldn't be surprised if Panarin finishes closer to two shots per game versus his two and a half shots per game that he's put up in the past, which might not move uh, might not move the needle much for you. It might not be a big deal, but at least this is your flag that, yeah, there could be a, a small decrease in shots from Panarin. Yeah, which is no fun. You want your superstars to be getting at least a few cupful points, even if they don't get an actual point. Uh, anyways, let's go to Washington next. We've got an outjury coming soon. Uh, we've seen some practice lines. The Capitals don't play again until Wednesday. TJ Oshie in the lineup. Uh, and also Dmitry Orlov, by the way. But let's focus on the forwards. Here were the lines at practice. We have both uh, for a tweet. Uh, Washington does some great beat writers. We always get like three or four options of who to retweet there. I'm at game day tweets right now. And I'm seeing both even strength and power play lines. That's what you want to see. Thank you to the Washington Capitals beat writers for giving us this information. So it's been Ovechkin with Strom and Connor Sherry. And then Kuznetsov with Milano and TJ Oshie. So... And then also, oh, in top power play, Ovechkin, Oshie, Strom, Marcus Johansson, and John Carlson, which leaves Kuznetsov out in the cold, uh, which is not great. He's like second line and second power play. So if that lasts, it might be another cold spell in the future for Kuznetsov. But obviously, this has been changing a lot. But yeah, TJ Oshie, if he's out there in free agency, I think he's out there in... uh Brian, Ard- Here, I'm gonna th- Brian Olive Branch, okay? I believe Oshie is out there in our league that we're in together. And I'm telling you right now, he's on my radar. I'm interested in TJ Oshie. We'll see. Maybe you'll add him before I get the chance. But I just want you to know that I have looked. I've added him to my watch list. And I've had thoughts of adding TJ Oshie because I like that. I, I appreciate the olive branch. <laughs> but I think I have to initiate a conversation. You have to participate in it. That's how it works. Like, I, I, okay. I can happily tell you what I think of TJ Oshie right now. I wouldn't hold back on the podcast or in our DMs if that's how you mm-hmm. chose to bring this up. Well, please that's do. The difference please tell me your you thoughts me. on t- well, here I am. I'm asking you for your thoughts on TJ Oshie. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be a lot of fluidity, right, in the in the Washington's top six. Like, sometimes Dylan Strom is in the right place. Sometimes he's not in the right place. And I think Oshie can kind of, like, can easily fill a need in there. They need someone to step up and do something. One thing that's concerned me about Oshie um, is that this year he's barely taking over a shot per game. Last year his shot rates declined just a little this year they've declined a lot um but maybe the saving grace is that his shot attempt rates have stayed reasonably steady and maybe just more shots are are having a hard time finding the net 
he's on the top power play, which should be a great, or he has been, sorry, on the top power play, which should be theoretically a good place to produce, but he has not been able to, like he's gotten two power play goals there. Um, and I, I would hope he can keep that up. I don't know, Elon. I think like last season was really disappointing for Oshie, a 47 point pace where some indicators of what he was doing right did fall off. The year before was a 70 point pace. I'd be willing to split the difference, but I think if I had to pick over under 60 points for Oshie, I would take the under just because Washington, uh, it seems like you're with Ovechkin or you're not doing a whole lot in any kind of consistent way. And my concern is that Oshie might not be with Ovechkin. Yeah, I know. I think that's fair. I mean, he's just an interesting free agent, but not someone I'm saying to like go crazy over. Uh, and Ovechkin, by the way, is not having the most amazing season. Hopefully, it's just a blip. We've seen it before, right? I think there, a few years ago on the pod, Ovechkin had a slow start, and we talked about, oh, is Ovechkin finally falling off? We were like, oh, he's so old now. He's like 32. Is is he maybe falling off now? And then he like went and exploded again. So yeah, right now he's only pacing for like 37 goals and 70 points. I'm hoping. I don't want to ask you because we'll just like, you know, you you never want to doubt Ovi, right? But uh, we'll see if he can bounce back to, you know, what kind of pace he was putting up last year. Uh, Joel saying in the chat, Ovi is washed. Okay, you've heard it here first from Joel, not not my brother Joel. Joel Joel said Oshi is washed. Oh, Oshi. (laughs) Okay, fair. Yeah, that's probably more likely to be true than Ovechkin. Uh, Where are we going next here? So we've done the Caps. Sharks. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to talk quickly about James Reimer. I feel like we just haven't mentioned his name a lot. And the fact that I brought up Jonathan Quick last week, I feel bad about that because he really did very poorly. And now maybe Cal Peterson is starting to take over. So forget everything I said about uh, Jonathan Quick. And hopefully now I won't jinx James Reimer, who also is not having the most amazing season. But considering, you know, what we were expecting going into the season like he's pretty much taken over the job like maybe we thought that he and Kakanen would be closer to 50 50 but no Reimer is is clearly the starter he had a huge game for the Rangers on Saturday he stopped 41 of 42 versus the Rangers too bad the Sharks couldn't give him any run support until there was like 17 seconds left and it was too late uh he had that one stinker versus Detroit on Thursday which probably left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths but aside from that Reimer's having Reimer's having a pretty solid season he's gonna be a UFA at the end of the year I wonder if the Sharks you know, they haven't been so terrible, right? So maybe they're just going to ride him and try to go for it. Not like, you know what I mean? Like not just like throwing the towel and sell him at the deadline or either way, he'll be a UFA. So just a guy to keep on our radar. He's not out of the league yet. Like James Reimer is actually looking pretty decent as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he has. Well, okay. I was I wanted to agree because his overall numbers. Yeah, they look decent and he has seemed to win the job, which is great. And uh, I, I believe there were a lot of folks saying like Hagenin was just going to take the job and run. And we warned that, I don't know if it's a we, maybe I, I don't know. But Kakanen has never really proven that he can take a number one job and he hasn't yet. He's played really poorly. The thing with James Reimer is that he's also at five on five, not played great, but shorthanded. James Reimer has an insane, insane save percentage. How Want to guess what James Reimer's shorthanded save percentage is? Nine. I feel like I'm on prices right. <laughs> nine seventy. Oh, you you had the first two digits. Nine <laughs> ah. nine seventy nine on wow. an expected eight ninety seven when league average is somewhere around you know the mid eight eighties. That's crazy. Uh, he has given up just one shorthanded goal against, which is his clutch. Yeah. So you could say that, or you could say that these things <laughs> tend to fluctuate a lot and that mm-hmm. this will fall off. So if you can actually convince, like, and I, I sort of poo pooed Cockin in earlier, but I think Reimer's shorthanded save percentage won't sustain, then the Sharks will turn back to Cockin and it'll become sort of like a who sucks less 
sort of situation or who can get hot. But that is like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't have a ton ton of faith in either guy. So if you have Reimer and you're riding him because of how well he's doing and goalies are scarce in your league, this would be a really excellent time to to check the trade market and see what you can pull back. I yeah I I feel like you wouldn't get much to be honest I'd be curious to see tweeted us if you have James Reimer you could actually pull something worthwhile I think unless you're getting like a really good return I I would just hold but like yeah I mean I I don't know what the trade market is I assumed it was low and I was even surprised to see that he's doing so well when I was looking into the episode for this week but okay Brian we still got a ton of teams to go but let's take a little break here we've you know gotten a taste of what it's like to jump around the league talk about all of these teams that we have crushes on and now we're going to stop and ask all of the valued listeners to go and download part two of this episode, which should already be in your podcast feed. So thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed the first half of this mega episode, prancing around the league, giving a take per team. And we'll be back with all the rest of the teams in just a bit. All, all of these uh, non-popular teams, according to the patrons, because yeah, we've been going in order. Uh, but yeah, hope you like the show and we'll see you soon. <laughs> 